Konnichiwa from Keswick Village. This is the Rorschach Japan update from the 16th of November 2022. A quick summary of what's going down in Japan. Starting with some news on foreign affairs, Southeast Asian leaders kicked off the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or SEAN, summit on Friday the 11th. Cambodia hosted a weekend summit where many topics were discussed in the country's capital, Phnom Penh, the group's first face-to-face meeting since the COVID pandemic. The 10-nation bloc consisted of Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. Leaders from the U.S., China, South Korea, and Japan also met with ASEAN leaders. At the opening ceremony, Cambodian Prime Minister Hun Sen said, quote, We must always be on our guard as the current socioeconomic situation in ASEAN is fragile and fragmented, as in the rest of the world, end quote. On Sunday the 13th, the leaders of Japan, the United States, and South Korea agreed to take steps towards the complete denuclearization of North Korea as tensions have escalated recently over Pyongyang's flurry of missile tests. After meeting with U.S. President Joe Biden and South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol, Prime Minister Kishida told reporters that the three-way cooperation is becoming more important than ever, given the possibility of further provocations by North Korea. Amid fears that North Korea may soon go ahead with its seventh nuclear test, the leaders agreed to work together to strengthen deterrence with the three countries coordinating sanctions against Pyongyang. Still, they also said in a statement that the path to dialogue remains open towards a peaceful and diplomatic resolution with North Korea. Ahead of the trilateral talks, Kishida and Biden held talks bilaterally for about 40 minutes and agreed to bolster their long-standing security alliance. Kishida said he informed Biden of Japan's plan to substantially increase its defense budget, and the U.S. president supported the idea. They also addressed the abduction of Japanese citizens by North Korea in the 1970s and 1980s, reaffirming a shared commitment to an immediate resolution. On that note about summits, after the ASEAN, Prime Minister Kishido went to his next destination, Bali, Indonesia, on Monday the 14th to attend the Group of 20, best known as G20, summit, which began on Tuesday the 15th. He will travel to Thailand on Thursday the 17th to attend the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit that will begin on Friday the 18th. On Monday the 14th, Tokyo High Court temporarily banned entry into its building and canceled some scheduled trial sessions after receiving a bomb threat. According to the police, the Immigration Services Agency of Japan received an email saying, quote, I will blow up the Tokyo District Court at 1.34 p.m., end quote. Police said the Tokyo Fire Department also received a similar email. Authorities are still investigating the incident. On Friday the 11th, Kishida dismissed Justice Minister Yasuhiro Hanashi after the backlash he received due to some comments he made. Hanashi, who was appointed in August, said in a political gathering on Wednesday the 9th that the Justice Minister is a, quote, low-key position and becomes, quote, a top story in daytime news programs only when stamping a seal on documents of execution, end quote. On the same day, Hanashi told reporters at the Prime Minister's office that he had submitted a letter of resignation to Kishida, stating, quote, I'm sorry I treated the death penalty lightly and angered the public, end quote. Kishida said he has decided to replace him with former agriculture minister Kin Saito. In unrelated news, 
Transport Minister Tetsuo Saito said on Tuesday the 15th that Japan will allow international cruise ships to dock at its ports, lifting a two-year ban imposed at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic to stem the virus's spread into the country. According to the Japan International Cruise Committee, around 160 foreign cruise ships' visits are already planned as of next March. Cruise companies will hold discussions with the local authorities of the port and seek agreements on docking. All crew members and the passengers of a ship must be fully vaccinated against the virus. Passengers who are suspected to be infected need to be tested, and those with positive results and their close contacts quarantined. The government hopes that opening the border to international cruise lines will help revive tourism. Speaking of COVID, on Thursday the 10th, Shigeru Omi, Japan's top coronavirus advisor, said that the country is bracing for an eighth wave of COVID-19 infections as the public begins preparing for the year-end holiday. On Wednesday the 9th, the ministry's experts panel warned that the latest wave of infections might be the same or exceed the previous wave's peak of more than 260,000 daily cases seen in August. COVID-19 cases topped 100,000 on Tuesday the 15th for the first time in two months after the government scrapped coronavirus border controls and implemented a domestic travel subsidy program in a bid to spur inbound and local tourism last month. Moving on to some economic news, Japan's economy shrank by a bit over 1% on an annual basis in the July-September period. The first contraction in these four quarters showed that private consumption was stagnant, with an accelerating inflation, which government data showed after imports increased. The contraction, which comes just three months after Japan saw its GDP reach pre-pandemic levels, underscores the fragility of the world's third-largest economy, with potential growth rates consistently low. Accelerating inflation, which exceeds the Bank of Japan's 2% target, comes at a bad time for the country, whose economic recovery is slower than its global peers. Rising energy costs, exacerbated by Russia's war in Ukraine, have hit the Japanese economy. And also, the sharply weakening yen pushed up import prices. In some news about the environment, the 27th Conference of the Parties of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, best known as COP27, kicked off on the 6th of November and will be held over 12 days in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. The conference brings together representatives from more than 190 countries to discuss ways to reduce the world's negative impact on the environment. After a year of devastating climate disasters, including floods in Pakistan, heat waves in Europe, and Hurricane Ian in Florida, it's more important than ever to make a change. On Friday the 11th, the Japan International Cooperation Agency held an event on the theme of green hydrogen development in the COP27 summit. They mentioned that Japan has a wealth of experience in the production and utilization of hydrogen, including fuel cell vehicles, hydrogen vehicles, and charging station networks. They also introduced demonstration experiments that Kita Kyushu City is conducting in collaboration with Iwatani Sangyo toward the realization of a hydrogen society. On the same day, Environment Minister Akihiro Nishimura told reporters he hopes that Japan can offer both funding and technical support to counter the effects of climate change. He said Japan has experienced major natural disasters and has developed technologies to deal with such disasters. He also said he believes Japan can provide specific support to each developing country by using this know-how. And to close this edition, on Monday the 14th, 17-year-old Japanese Rina Kawasaki received the 2022 Kids' Rights International Children's Prize 
for her campaigns in Japan, which encourage young people to be more involved in politics and society. Rina, who at the age of 14 started her organization to create an online platform to connect young people with local political representatives, is the first Japanese person to win this award. The Kids Right Foundation, an international children's rights organization headquartered in the Netherlands, gives this award every year to young people who contribute to the protection of children's rights. Nobel Peace Laureate Pakistani Malala Yousafzai won this award in 2013, and Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunberg in 2019. And that's it for this week. The consensus seems to be Mastodon for people leaving Twitter, and some even Facebook as well. Mastodon has no ads and no algorithms, but you need to pick a server or subdomain. Which one have you chosen? Thoughts about that? How has your experience been? And anything else social media related, let us know at podcast at Rorschach.com. Mata ne!